Hi everyone, this is Arabella, the founder of High Maintenance Trim Co., a cannabis processing service provider located in Northern California, where the business that you didn't know you needed, saving you time and money by bringing experts to your facility. Follow our journey through the industry. Hi everyone, I'm here with Danica Bravo today, a really good friend of mine, and I'm here to talk about something that is very near and dear to both of us. Danica's been my friend for probably close to maybe 20 years now, and she's one of the badass women in my circle that I appreciate and I respect so much. A little bit about both of us, so it really interestingly over the years, sometimes we've kind of lost touch for a little bit, and, and then we you know reconnect again, and it's kind of like a change of career, a change of path, and we're like, okay, so you know, who are you this year? And so I was really um, excited to talk to her, you know, a couple of years ago when I, you know, jumped, you know, with both feet into the cannabis industry. Both of us had originally met in our corporate jobs, um, working in, um, you know, here in California. That's how we became friends. And so, you know, through working in the cannabis industry, I've learned so much and I've learned a lot about um, some of the challenges, some of the negative aspects of it as well. Um, although we you know we, we always talk about the positive aspects of you know the plant medicine and in the industry, there's also a lot of negative things that have happened over the years, such as you know incarcerations and you know the war on drugs really took a toll on a lot of people. Um, both of us kind of come from similar backgrounds. Both of us were raised, you know, I was I grew up in Oakland. She grew up in Stockton. We're the the only girl in the family with brothers, and so you know we kind of had to grow up being you know rough and tough. And so, you know, we've kind of carried a lot of that with us through our journey and through the things that we've learned in, in, you know, our families in the past. And so I think now we're tapping into, you know, some of those passions and some of those things that are just really, you know, near and dear to our hearts. And so um, I'm very proud, you know, to have Danica on today and very, you know, excited. Um, Danica is now spearheading a program and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the program is really to help provide, you know, higher education and kind of, you know, forge a path for people who probably didn't have these discussions about going to college, you know, as they were young or growing up. I remember me growing up, I, you know, we never had the, the discussion about, you know, the college fund or where are you going to go, you know, after high school? That was kind of something that we had to figure out on our own. I can't imagine how even more difficult and the layers of difficulty are for people that on top of not having those discussions now have probably found themselves in trouble with the law, have gone to jail. And so um, I want to learn a little bit about what you're doing to kind of bridge that gap and to help people, you know, get, get through some of those challenges. And this isn't just, you know, for weed crime. There's a lot of people that have, you know, a past and have a background for a number of different reasons. But, you know, I, I believe just as I'm sure you believe that that shouldn't stop them from having the opportunities that are that are available to the rest of us. So, um, so go ahead and just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and about the program. Thank you. Thank you for the amazing introduction. As Arabella mentioned, um, my name is Danica Bravo and I'm from Stockton. Um, the reason why I'm so passionate about it is because um, when I was younger, my older brother and my younger brother were incarcerated by the time I was 15 years old. Um, later in life, uh, they it became a repetitive cycle. So I'm sure some of you have heard the, the term recidivism. And that just basically means when one person gets out, um, the chances are extremely high for them to recidivate within six months to a year and go back to uh, incarceration. And that's exactly what happened with both of them. And not only that, but just the, the neighborhood and environment that I was raised in, all of my friends had um, been like gang members or a little rough around the edges or come from um, single parent households. And so they also at young ages um, faced incarceration um, or had loved ones, immediate family members as well that had faced incarceration. In high school, I barely graduated. 
honestly, like I'm surprised that I never went to prison just because of the things that I was around or affiliated with. It's just that when you grow up in that environment, you don't know anything else. Who's your role model? Your parents are too busy working two jobs to provide the basic needs. So um, with that being said, barely graduated high school. And then fast forward a year or two later, I started working at a company called Providian Financial where I met Arabella. And so um, I, I tried college and I failed. So immediately after um, high school, I went to uh, San Joaquin Delta College and I met with several different people there. I didn't understand the language. I didn't understand what they were talking about. I didn't, um, I didn't understand anything. The terminology didn't even, was not familiar. So um, with that being said, I had enrolled my first semester straight out of high school. Um, so graduated in May, started in fall, August. I ended up getting all Fs, straight Fs. When I went to speak to a counselor, like, why did I get Fs? I just literally went the first week and then I decided not to go. And they were like, well, you need a drop. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't even know what this is. So on my transcript, I have my first semester straight Fs. So they were like, there's something called a W to withdraw. Okay, great. Now I know. I did try to go back that following semester was spring at that time. And so this is back to back while working full time at Providian while commuting an hour up and an hour back. This time I got a little smarter and I, I dropped with all W's and I was like, okay, I didn't know that W's hurt me. I thought it was a good thing that I was being smart. Um, so I remember walking to the financial aid department and I said, is there any, someone told me to come here to get my refund. I paid out of pocket for my classes. So this is semester number two back then. And even now for some people, $200 is a lot of money. I remember I paid $200 for all of my classes and I was just dying for that money back. I was like, I could really use it for my bills, um, gas, basic needs. And they said, well, um, actually you missed the refund date. So I'm like, what's the refund day? What is going on? Like, so I learned the hard way, what all these different dates are, what all these different things mean, but nobody was there to show me or guide me. So that's why I ended up going into higher education. I always knew that I wanted to work with incarcerated individuals just because where I was from, I always, I could have been incarcerated myself. My two out of three children that my mom had were incarcerated. So why was I the lucky one? to, you know, I, I was walking that fine line. So I knew I wanted to work with incarcerated individuals or formerly incarcerated individuals. So I majored in um, correctional science and law enforcement. I also majored in social behavioral sciences. I wanted to learn the ins and outs of everything. And then um, I, started a, I started working in higher education um, 10 years ago. I worked for two private colleges and then I ended up working at Delta College. Delta College really right where my roots were and um, where I had the worst experience there. I find it so amazing, Janika, that you you failed at college, yet you went back and, and, and got a job helping people get into college because you couldn't. And, you know, obviously both of us went back and ended up getting our, our degrees, but you didn't start off that route. It kind of flew flop for you. I find that so amazing. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a funny story. Um, you know, most people that meet me now that are like new or they're just meeting me, they don't know this whole history. They're, they think that I probably got my degree at a younger age. They think I come probably from a wealthier background. I'm like, um, no, that's not the case. <laughs> um, so it's funny because I started working for Delta College 
And while I was, I had decided to go back to school and I actually graduated with my AA in 2015. That is not that long ago. Right. 2015. And then, um, so I had the opportunity to help develop two programs. One was a program at DVI, which is a, a prison in Tracy. Um, and we helped develop a program through Delta College where people can take courses. So we had a professor going in and teaching courses. That was an amazing opportunity. And then we had a, I had an opportunity to help build the formerly incarcerated program at Delta College, which is called the Phoenix Project. Fast forward to uh, 2019, actually let's back up a little bit. I decided to pursue my bachelor's degree, graduated in 2018. Fast forward to 2019, I made it a mission. I have to find a program that is strictly for formerly incarcerated that I can develop. And a girlfriend, I literally had just told her that. And like two days later, she sent me the link and said, I found your dream job. You need to apply now. And that's where I've been since then. So I've been at Project Rebound at Stanislaus State. I do oversee the Stockton campus and the Turlock campus. So right now I'm the only person supporting the two counties through Project Rebound. I am um, looking to hire a second person. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping in the next three to four months um, that can help me because it is a, a lot of work. So just to kind of give you a little bit more information about Project Rebound, strictly program to help all formerly incarcerated individuals, but we also support current um, incarcerated individuals. In fact, I had just have a stack of letters that just came in that I need to respond to. And this is just help preparing them and planning and letting them know what you need in order when you get out that I, we can have a smoother transition. The people that you help. So I know that the program uh, mostly focuses on formerly incarcerated, but you also help people that are incarcerated. Are these people that are there and will be there for a while? Or are these people that are soon transitioning into the real world and are, are trying to get a head start into, you know, into, into society? That's an excellent question. I get letters. Honestly, I get all different types of, of, of people writing in. I've had one, I've had two write me from LA saying, Hey, I, someone gave me your, your name and uh, address. I'm in LA. I don't plan on relocating, but can you help me? Sure. What city are you going to be living in? And then at that point, I do the research or I already have connections developed in those areas. Um, if they're close enough, I refer and give them those uh, contacts. I literally write name, emails, addresses, and phone numbers, and I type it out and I send it back to them. This is a person that can help you with housing. This is a person that can help you with your education. This is a person that can help you with your drug rehabilitation when you get out. And so um, today I received a letter from someone who's not getting out for another three years. And they just wanna know like, is there anything that they can do? Um, so we'll just start planning. Okay, so tell me what your current situation is like. Do you have an AA yet? Because there's a lot of programs um, in correctional, especially California correctional uh, facilities that have AA programs. So um, it's nice to know if this, these people already have an AA or are we starting from scratch? Because if we're starting from scratch, I need to connect them to a community college and get them prepared to transfer to a four-year. That's so awesome. I, I bet um, it's what you're doing is it's so amazing because like you said, if you have someone who's still got three years left, um, just having that hope and, and having something that they're working towards probably helps the time go by so much faster 
And I can't imagine just how much, you know, when that puts beneath their wings, just to know that there's something positive, you know, when they get out, because a lot of people just assimilating when you've been gone and, and knowing, knowing how to jump back into the new world where even just technology is so different. Education is different. Um, you know, online classes, everything is just so different. What you're doing is just so amazing because having someone like you in their corner makes such a, a difference. I mean, it's, it's life-changing. And I, I personally witnessed how many lives you've changed and, you know, talking to you and uh, being on the fly on the wall for some of your calls, you know, it has been really amazing. You know, I just, I have a brother who's incarcerated myself. My husband was formerly incarcerated. Now, you know, we own a, a heating and air conditioning business. And so he knew um, he hit the ground running, you know, when he came out, but not everyone has it like that. And so what you're doing is, is so amazing. I heard you say that you you support both both counties, both campuses. So, um, what does the funding look like for you? Is this is this something that's through the colleges? Is it through the county, or where do you get the funding for to help these? And then also, my second question is, what exactly does the funding do? So, when you do get the money, how do you use that money to help them? That's an excellent question. So, Project Rebound, it's very interesting. So, there's something called the consortium through California. Project Rebound is funded through that, but not all Project Rebounds are funded through that. So when I started at Stanislaus State, I learned the difference. So the, you have these independent Project Rebounds, and then you have, oh, you're a part of the consortium through California. That's amazing. So I learned that, oh, we're not part of the consortium. So how did, what, how did Project Rebound come about? Well, there was one special lovely lady named Kim Greer, um, who is the provost at Stanislaus State University, who lived in another state and taught out of prison. So when she moved to California and started working for Stanislaus State uh, University, she was like, you know, one day I want to have a program for formerly incarcerated. And she learned about Project Rebound in California, and she worked her magic because she's in charge of budgeting. So over the years, she worked her magic to where she was able to make a small portion for a funding um, to fund this program. And so independently funded, like, you know, with no support through California, that was a really amazing. So they just had room for one person and they had to pick, what they say is they had to pick the right person who knew all the ins and outs. And I'm like, that is me right there. <laughs> that is me, I'm your girl. And so um, built the program from scratch. But when I found out that the application process was coming up, um, I worked very, very hard with my a manager and we co-wrote the grant to apply for the consortium because there's additional funds through the state of California. So um, we applied and we got approved on July 1st. So now we have funding. So prior to the funding, all I had honestly was my resources with the community partners and the services that I can provide. I didn't have any money to give them. I didn't have funding for, for textbooks. I didn't have none of that. So I was just their person like, hey, I found out about an extra grant. Let's apply for it for you. You know, um, Let's do your FAFSA together so you can get a Pell Grant. I was that person guiding them through, walking them through the applications because 
we didn't have funding. Now I do that on top of that, I'm able to, now that we're part of the consortium, I'm able to pay for their textbooks. Um, for Christmas, I was able to send everyone a $150 grocery gift card. And there's two students that over 10 years ago went to college and failed and they ended up getting a student loan, but because they were incarcerated for so long, they're in default. So they qualify for nothing. So I was able to get their tuition paid for through the grant. Oh my God, that is so amazing. I mean, just to not have to worry about not just tuition, but books and, and you're extending it out to, to groceries because, you know, the daily living expenses sometimes can become a burden and, you know, we start to cut corners and sometimes we cut corners. Education might be one of the first places that we cut corners. And so you're helping them to kind of stay afloat. How many people do you have in the program now? Well, I'm proud to say that in just a year and a half, I have 18 students. Wow, And that's not easy to do. And a lot of it does have to do with working at Delta College for five years, working in various departments and really helping build a program for formerly incarcerated. Um, but also just being in the industry for so long, people end up getting to know you and they'll send you referrals like, hey, someone's, I think they're ready to transfer. I'm going to give them your, your email or whatever. Um, but it's really working long hours, networking and knowing the ins and outs of how to apply for admissions and get financial aid and all those types of things. But for a year and a half, um, let me just kind of say this, the goal, the goal through the consortium and through when I was hired, they told me as long as we get two to four students a year, we'll be happy. Wow. And I said, I will triple that is what I told them my first day. I said, I will triple that. Thanks for you. <laughs> and in a year and a half, so we just marked our year and a half in December, uh, we have 18 students that are enrolled at Stan State. Wow. What's, what is the most challenging thing about, about your program for you? Um, so the most challenging right now through COVID is teaching people technology. That's very difficult. I'm just one person. Um, thankfully, I was able to hire three student assistants. So with that grant, uh, the consortium grant and the funding, I can actually give these people opportunity to learn. So there's three of my students working 20 hours a week at minimum wage. I'm able to say, hey, call this student. They need help with uh, their online class. And that way it doesn't, it takes the pressure off of me because I have other responsibilities as well. So that was a challenge. And I would say prior to that is sometimes you get, like I had a student that did uh, 15 years and he got out and he really wanted to dive in full time and he wanted to work full time. I advised him, don't do that. And then I hear, I always hear, well, you do it. You do full-time, you work full-time, you go to school full-time. And I'm like, uh, trust me, I'm telling you from experience, don't do that. And then they end up failing. So one individual ended up uh, getting all Fs and it was, it was just heartbreaking. And I try to prevent that, but he had just did 15 years and he thought he can handle it. So that, that part, you know, is frustrating and challenging. I can imagine. I can imagine because there's, there's a lot of work that goes into it and, um, if you don't mind me asking, do you ever collect the data or do you know what is the success rate of your students that, that go in? Because I know that there's a lot of handholding that has to happen because they do require a lot of guidance. And, you know, and thankfully you've been such a blessing, but the people that, you know, they come out and, and join the program, what is the success rate for graduation? Through all the project rebounds, it's 90 
uh, around 90%. We had a meeting scheduled yesterday and I had to reschedule on you because I had to actually do this report. And it's the data that you're asking about. They wanted to know how many people have, if anybody has dropped and I had to submit all that data um, by last night. So that is something that all the project rebounds keep track of. And I, mm -hmm. I believe we're at 80 to 90% success rate. That's Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, once people graduate, you know, from college, the challenges aren't over. Do you find that it's that it's still difficult for some of your students to find employment once they graduate? Yeah, it depends on their major. I feel like when students are majoring in like social behavioral science, social sciences or sociology, they have more of an opportunity because Project Rebound prefers to hire formerly incarcerated. So if they were interested in getting in this line of work, it's much easier. Those that major in business, they do, they seem to do very well because they're business minded. They want to create a business. And also the, the ones that have computer science as well, um, they do pretty well. But I think the curveball, and it's really hard to answer that question, is just because of the pandemic right now in general. That's it, true. you know, that was been very hard. Um, and it's hard for everyone, even people that have never been incarcerated, finding work and keeping steady employment. I can see that. Exactly. I had three students graduate in 2020 and all of them kind of went to other trades that they had knowledge of before, have not yet had that opportunity to pursue what they got their degree in. And it was, I, it's only because of the pandemic. It was like a lot of people stopped the hiring because they're trying to maintain the social distancing. A lot of businesses closed. So. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I know that with legalization, you know, in California, you know, it's opened up a lot of doors for people, especially with the cities or counties, you know, any jurisdiction that's decided to open up, you know, there's equity programs, which one of the one of the facets of the equity programs is to help, um, you know, those barriers of entry for people that have been formerly incarcerated, especially if they've had a, a cannabis crime. So, you know, specific to cannabis crimes, if you, you know, and I don't know how much, you know, of the equity programs, but a lot of cities, for example, you know, in Oakland and even other cities that I've worked in, if you have a, a cannabis crime and arrest in, and you happen to live in a certain, you know, jurisdiction, they give you a free permit or, you know, there's a lot of things that are there for you to help you be able to kind of get your foot in the door and I find it amazing. There are some people that have really thrived in the industry. It's like the very thing that sent them to prison is the very thing that, that is allowing them to thrive and to provide for their families and to give them a sense of pride. And so while some of those programs are out there, they're great. Now, federally, it isn't, it still isn't legal. So some of your students may not be able to participate because at, at a federal level, it is still you know illegal. We're hoping that soon that that's going to change um, and that'll open up even more doors. And, and so, you know, some of us have you know, pioneers have kind of jumped in regardless of, of that, because, you know, in California here locally, we're still pushing and, and, and we know that what we're doing is a good thing. Many of the of the cities and jurisdictions in the cannabis industry, when they're applying for a permit, there's this whole give back thing that has to happen. So when you apply for your permit, you know, you pay all this money for your permit and then you have to tell the city or the county, how are you, how do you plan to give back? Are you going to fund a program? Are you going to do donations? Are you going to hire previously incarcerated? Are you going to help build, you know, gyms or schools or whatever it may be? You know, you have to outline in your business plan, how do you plan to help your community, you know, get ahead? And many, you know, organizations and many business owners that I know, they have put together youth programs and they do make donations. They do a lot of things for their community to give back. And as you and I have, have spoken, I'm waiting to find out if my application has been approved. Um, and if my licensing is approved, you know, one of the first things that I want to do 
is to partner with you to provide scholarships to people in with specific criteria. If I can help send someone to college and help give them a college education that otherwise may not have had that opportunity, you know, it, it's a win-win. That's kind of what we're all here for is to, to help our community and, and specifically, you know, individuals. It isn't like the money is just going to a big pot and we don't get to see kind of, you know, the fruits of the labor, but to be able to actually see someone, you know, go to college is wonderful. I wanted to share your program is so that people are aware and to highlight the fact that this wonderful program is out there and there's someone just like you, and I'm sure there's others in other chapters in the state, but there's people just like you that are ready and willing to help people. Uh, if, if there was additional funding, if there's more hands, if there's more people like you that can help, you know, we can really turn around the lives of a lot of people. So I am going to share this with social media and our YouTube channel in hopes to maybe, you know, get some additional donations and get some scholarships and get other other people engaged, you know, out there that they have to donate anyways, you know, they have to give back to the community. So why not give back to a program and to, to a cause that really does, you know, change lives. And it doesn't just change the life of one person because that one person can become a provider for a family. That one person can become a CEO and change the lives of so many others. So I think it's kind of like the gift that keeps on giving and, you know, it's, it's kind of never ending. So I'm really, I'm really glad that you shared, you know, all of that with us. There's anything else that, you know, that we can do to propel it and, and to keep it going. I know COVID really has affected all of us, you know, all of our businesses and, and the way that we interact. And I can't imagine the, the technological challenges. Yes, yes. It's been very challenging for a majority of the students because they do prefer to learn in person on campus. Um, a lot of the students that started in fall were struggling, as I mentioned, the other student that we talked about uh, just a few minutes ago, and putting in that time, showing them how to utilize the laptop and how to utilize the online platforms such as Canvas and Blackboard and Google Classroom, and uh, every professor's using something different, so they were getting confused. So yeah, it, it has been a challenge, but they're learning. It's helping them grow. I tell them like. These are growing pains. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Well, thank you so much, Danica, for joining us and people out there watching us. We're going to put some information up so that you can take a look at the program. Hopefully you've learned a little bit about Project Rebound and you can see that, you know, the benefits of, of helping support the program. So if you're looking for an organization, if you're looking a place to put, you know, your some of your profits, some of your money and really change some lives out there, take a look at Project Rebound, reach out to Danica. You can also reach out to us. Um, reach out to either one of us and then, you know, we'll be happy to share with you how you can help change some lives out there. And it doesn't just have to be cannabis related. We can change a lot of lives for anyone that's been previously incarcerated. So, you know, we don't have to kind of, you know, narrow it down so much. There's there's a lot of lives that can be can be saved and, and changed. So thank you so much, Danica, for, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye.